turn to John chapter number 11. John chapter number 11. I want to preach a message to you today called Never Lose Hope. Never Lose Hope. How to deal with disappointment. Today we're going to talk about dealing with disappointment. And before we get into the Word of God, I want to talk to you a little bit about disappointment. Do you know that the space between expectation and reality is called disappointment? I'm going to say that again. I said the space between expectation and reality is called disappointment. If your expectation is here and your reality is here, what is in between is called disappointment. If you walk into a restaurant and your friends told you what incredible food it was, an incredible service, you maybe read about it on an app or you find information about it and you hear such great reviews. And so you walk into the restaurant with high expectation only to be met with poor service and, and terrible food. You will sit there and you will be disappointed. Much more, you know, much more importantly, if you walk into a marriage, into a relationship, into a career or a business, and you have such high expectation. You just believe that this is the thing that's going to satisfy it. This is the thing that's going to bring fulfillment into your life. And your days are going to be filled with happiness only to have reality teach you something different. You'll live your life in disappointment. So how do we deal with disappointment? Well, different people deal with it differently. So we're going to talk about that today as we look at the story of Uh, of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And I'll give you a little bit of the backstory in chapter number 11. Jesus is friends with a guy by the name of Lazarus. He's very close with him, and Lazarus had two sisters. Their sisters' names are Mary and Martha. And word gets back to Jesus from Mary and Martha that Lazarus is sick, not just a little bit sick, he is critically ill. It is a a dire situation. It is a very serious illness. And Jesus is there in a city called Bethany. Lazarus is in Jerusalem. And what you need to know about what is taking place is that Bethany and Jerusalem are only two miles apart. Just two miles. Jesus is literally just down the road. Two miles is less than the distance it is from here to Palms West Hospital. You could walk there in a very short time. Yet the Bible says that Jesus lingered. Jesus waited. Jesus did not immediately respond. Jesus did not get up and go running. He did not catch the first horse to to Jerusalem. No, no, he lingered. He waited. He did nothing. Days went by. In fact, the Bible says it was day upon day upon day. By the time Jesus got to Jerusalem, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. So how many days passed? Maybe it was six days. Maybe it was seven, eight days. It was perhaps maybe at least a week. Jesus waited and Jesus did nothing. 
But he had told his disciples, he said, the reason why I'm lingering, the reason why I'm staying here is because there is a greater miracle in motion than just someone being healed from an illness. There's something in motion that needs to take place. So Jesus lingered so that that greater thing could happen. Hallelujah. And so Jesus just waited. And all of a sudden, he comes into town. Lazarus now is dead for four days. And Martha and Mary are in a house. They're being comforted by friends. And Martha confronts Jesus. You see, I said that people deal with it differently. There are people that will confront, and then there are people that will do nothing. They'll just shrink back. They'll just wallow in their disappointment. They'll just stay around people and just gather and just have a little pity party. That's just it. And then there's those, like Martha, that will literally, here's what she did. She confronted the source of her disappointment, Jesus. And she says to Jesus, if you had just been there. Let's read in verse number 20, chapter 11, verse number 20. It says this, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, listen to this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many of you know you sometimes you just got to say what you got to say? You just got to get it out. I just got to say it. I just got, Jesus, I just need to look you in the eye and I just need to tell you, if you had only been here. But listen to what else she says. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. See, listen to me. The greater thing that's about to take place, more important than than the healing, is the faith that was being resurrected in Martha's life. Jesus initiated right here a conversation, initiated a conversation with Martha because her faith was at a certain level. She didn't have no faith. She had some faith, right? She said, okay, Lord, if you had been here, none of this would have happened. But... Hallelujah. Remember, I've taught you guys for years. You've got to keep your faith on the right side of your butt. I mean that with all of my heart now. That means that you say, okay, here's reality, but I believe that even now, even now, even now, if you say something, it's going to happen. God's going to listen to you. And so Jesus, whatever you ask, God's going to give it. And so she just, she just started to have her faith stirred. See, Mary just kind of hunkered down. She just kind of went to a corner and she was just being surrounded by, by friends and said, oh, I don't know why it happened. The, you know, the Lord moves in mysterious ways and maybe angels, you know, in heaven are now, you know, enjoying Lazarus's company. I mean, people say the dumbest things when tragedy hits. They say the dumbest things to try to get over some kind of disappointment. But Martha confronted her disappointment. Jesus, if you'd just been here, if you had just been here, and here's what Jesus says to her. Listen to this. Look at verse number 22, or verse number 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Now listen, her faith's still not there. It's still being stirred. I told you, this is the greater miracle. This is more important because this is faith for the journey. This is faith for next month and next year and 10 years down the road. This isn't faith for just one day. This is faith for a lifetime. And he says, listen, your brother will rise again. And she says, Lord, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Hallelujah. Her faith is just being stirred. Her faith is just being lifted up. Amen. Her faith is just being, being, being resurrected. She's learning how to deal with disappointment. See, it's no way to live. That's no way to live. You can't live your life just going from one disappointment to another disappointment. You cannot live your life lowering the bar, lowering your expectation. You can't live your life going, I will just build up my walls because I refuse to be hurt again. In the movie Ocean's Eleven, George Clooney is sitting down with Julia Roberts, who's playing his ex-girlfriend, and he says to her concerning her new boyfriend, He says to her, does he make you laugh? And she says back to him, he doesn't make me cry. Is that any way to live though? Is is that any way to live? Well, I'm just going to settle for for medication. I'm just going to settle for for mediocre. I'm I'm just going to live my life and I'm just going to try to pull all all my life into my children because my husband disappoints me. I'm going to put all my life into my career because my marriage is falling apart. I'm going to put all my my life into 10 years from now because right now everything looks absolutely miserable. Is that any way to live your life? God wants you to go, hey, no, 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 you need to raise the bar. You need to lift your expectations. You don't need to wallow. You don't need to to just hunker down. You don't need to live your life hunched over going, well, I just guess that life just wasn't meant to be happy. No, you need to raise your level of expectation. You need to confront your disappointment. Listen, God is not the source of your disappointment. You need to look again at the God who never fails, the God who never lets anyone down, the God who always comes through. Amen. Jesus said to you, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection and the life. This thing's not going to turn out how you think it's going to turn out. You just watch. You just watch. Listen, she still struggled. Doesn't mean she was perfect from then on out. When the stone was moved, rolled away, she was the first one to say to Jesus, hey, he's been dead four days. He stinks. Come on now. Some of you have been there. This situation that I'm going through stinks. Huh? It stinks. Marriage stinks. Being single stinks. Huh? All the married people want to be single. All the single people want to be married. Come on now. Career stinks. Job stinks. Right now, see, that's the way people are just looking at their reality and going, hey, this thing stinks. 
Listen, I want to give you some tips, just some keys on how to overcome disappointment. Because you can't live your life just, just absolutely with the bar lowered, just going, well, I guess this is, this is the new normal. No, this ain't the new normal. Huh? You need to raise your expectation. Number one, you need to know this. You need to nail down what you know. You need to be sure, you need to be convinced of what you know. Somebody said, if you nail down what you know, what you don't know won't matter as much. Hallelujah. If you nail down what you know, what you don't know won't matter so much. There's so much of this book I don't know. I have been studying it all my life, but I don't know how Noah's Ark exactly took place. I don't know where Jonah lived inside of that fish. I don't know if Adam had a belly button. I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. I say chicken, that's just me. I don't really know. But I do know this, Jesus came to earth. He went about doing good, healing everyone who was oppressed of the devil. He loved me enough to die for me. He was raised from the dead. He is alive today. And because of his death, burial, and resurrection, I have the victory. Hallelujah. That I know. Hallelujah. That I know. Somebody asked Billy Graham, they said, hey, What's the greatest thing you've learned in all your years of ministry? He said, the greatest thing I've ever learned in all my years of ministry is Jesus loves me, this I know. And they said, you mean Jesus loves you, the greatest thing you ever learned? He said, no, this I know is the greatest thing I've ever learned. This I know. I've nailed down what I know. I've nailed down what I know. Martin Luther King said this. He said, I know not where he leads me, but well do I know my God. In other words, I don't know what next week's going to exactly look like. I've got some plans. I've got some hopes. I, got, I don't know exactly, but I know this. God's going to be there when I get there because he's already finished before he started. So all of my days are already mapped out. Listen, God's already going to be into 2018. When 2025 gets here, God's already been there. Right? Amen? We just have to believe that. You just have to nail down what you know. Put your trust, put your confidence in him. My wife and I, we have an ongoing argument. It's never ending. It's constant. It happens every time we get in a car and I need directions. Come on, men. You know what I'm talking about. I got, I'm driving and I need directions. I say, honey, can you find directions to this thing? You know, one thing or the other. And we have this ongoing argument that never ends because she immediately grabs her phone and she asks Siri. And I go, don't ask Siri. Siri doesn't know anything. Siri has left me stranded time and time again. All I ever hear back from Siri is, I'm not permitted to do that, Brian. Well, what are you permitted to do? And British Siri is just as dumb as American Siri. It doesn't matter. Change the language, the tone, whatever. Just as dumb. I went to find my son's school. He was playing in soccer. 
He was, he was, you know, up in north part of the county somewhere and I'm driving and Siri's just taking me to this place and I'm late and I'm in a hurry and so I'm kind of rushing and I get to a field. I'm talking about a field. I'm talking about not one building and, and I sit there and I stop and Siri says to me, you have arrived. You dummy. Huh? That's what the world wants you to think. You've arrived. There you go. I just stopped putting my trust in Siri. I, I, I'm disappointed and disappointed and disappointed. Listen, I'm going to start putting my trust and my confidence in what I know. Amen. That means that, that listen, I, I love people. I, I got some, some, some trust and confidence in people, but ultimately my trust is in God. My hope is in God. Listen, I know people are human. They are fragile. They, they make mistakes. They disappoint, but God is not human. He is not fragile. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He has never disappointed me. He has never failed me. He never will disappoint me and he never will fail me. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. Nail down what you know. The second thing is this. You have to verbalize his promises over your life. You just have to keep speaking faith-filled words, regardless of what you see. When, When Martha said, when Jesus was moving the stone and Martha said, surely he stinks. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I just say to you? That if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Huh? Why? Because, listen, when reality hits and we are looking in the natural, it is easy to just let disappointment sink back in. You have to constantly remind yourself about the promises of God over and over and over again. That's why the Bible says meditate. To meditate doesn't mean to just put, you know, sit Indian style and put your hands like this or something and just go, hmm. That does, that's not what meditate means. The word meditate in the Hebrew literally means to mumble. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. It means to mumble or to talk to yourself over and over again. It means to just over and over talk to yourself. Some of you are going to be real good at this. So you, you, you just get the promises of God and you meditate on his word, which means you just rehearse them over and over again. Listen, we should not have any excuse in 2017. All we have to do is type in a word, healing into an app, and scripture upon scripture comes up. Huh? Back when we used to have to go to concordance and go, okay, where is that scripture? I can't find it. Now we have the internet. We have an app. We can find it in a moment's notice. We can get devotions. We can get scriptures sent to us on a daily basis. Listen, there should be no excuse why we are not meditating, constantly speaking the word of God over our life. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes. How? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why I tell you, when you read your Bible, read it out loud. When you read your Bible, read it out loud. Read it to yourself. Speak it over your life. You're going to have what you say. 
That's why when Jesus was talking to Martha, he kept feeding her faith. He kept feeding her faith. He kept feeding her faith. And then he called for Mary. Hey, I need to feed her faith. She didn't show up. I know what she's doing. She's disappointed. I got to feed her faith. It's a constant daily thing. It is a battle. It is a fight. And we are constantly need to verbalize his promises over our life. We need to speak the word of God over our life. I may not know everything, but I know this. The word of God says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I'm going to constantly speak these words over my life. Hallelujah. And then the last thing is this. You have to pray for patience and praise him for victory. Y'all were excited to that one. (laughs) Because patience is a battle. I mean, is anybody just naturally patient? Anybody just, it comes easy. It's just easy. That's so easy. It's just not, that's not how I'm wired. Every morning I get a cup of coffee and I put creamer in it and I like my coffee hot. So before I actually put coffee in the cup, I put creamer in the cup and I put it in the microwave for 18 seconds because coffee was meant to be drunk hot. Iced coffee is not coffee. Somebody say amen. So I I sit there and look at the microwave and I watch 18 seconds count down. It's the longest 18 seconds of my day. I just watch it. 16, 14, 10. And it's like every day when it gets to two, I just want to pull that microwave door open. The struggle is real. It is so real. I just say to myself, 16 is good enough. I can't take it anymore. Listen, why? Because we're naturally impatient. We want what we want now. And every new device and every bit of technology is just feeding our impatience. But Hebrews chapter 6, listen to what it says. Verse 12 says, it is through faith and patience that we inherit promises. That means it may not turn around tomorrow. That means it may be that when you go home or you go to work, it looks the exact same. That may mean that when you get home and you look at your bank account, nobody deposited money in the last two hours. You got the same as when you walked into church. In fact, you probably got less because you tithed. Hallelujah. And the same bills are coming in and the same relationships and the same struggles and, and the same difficulties. But you just have to believe that God is going to turn this thing around. Amen? God is going to turn this thing around. Listen, it can't get any worse than the way it was with Lazarus. It's dead. Can't get any deader. That's it. And so for Mary and Martha, they thought it's as bad as it ever could be. Nothing could be any worse than this. And God was just taking them on a little journey, not for a day, for a lifetime, to let them know, you just be patient. Sometimes God lingers. Sometimes 
He's only two miles away, and, and you think he should be here any second. He doesn't show up when you think he should. But guess what? He's on the way. Hallelujah. I said, guess what? He is on the way. And things are subject to change. And one of my favorite little phrases in the Bible is this. And it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. This is not forever. This is temporary. It's dark now, but the sun is about to shine. Amen. You just have to believe that if I'm just patient, I keep verbalizing the promises of God. I nail down what I know. This thing is going to turn around. Amen. I have to believe it and I have to declare it over my life every day of my life. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah.